0: My name's Katrina Brown. I'm I'm known as Kate and um, I'm based at the University of Exeter and at an institute called the Environment and Sustainability Institute. I'm a professor of social sciences and I'm interested really, and a lot of my research is about how people perceive um, change and are able to respond to environmental change, but within the context of a range of other kind of changes that are happening to them.
1: So, if you're in an ele- if, if you're in the lift and you've got three floors, in which to explain what resilience is, what's your what's your what's resilience elevator pitch?
0: Resilience is about the capacity of a system to be able to respond to change, and that might be an ecological system, it might be a social ecological system. The way in which I understand um, resilience is is applied to a social ecological system so to an integrated system. And I think that resilience covers not only the ability to be able to persist and to bounce back after either, um, you know, extreme events or um, sudden shocks, but it's also the ability to learn from and to respond and to you know bounce back better um, to positively develop um, in response to a whole range of different changes some of which might be you know slow onset changes um, you know background drivers large-scale drivers um, but within the context of a range of different changes
1: You note in in a paper that you sent me that the the sharp increase in interest in resilience among social scientists, why is that? What does resilience add to to previous debates, do you think?
0: I think that resilience is helpful because it enables us to look more holistically at um, systems, at integrated social ecological systems and It enables us to consider the impacts of a range of different types of changes and to consider those in conditions where the future is highly uncertain. So I think, you know, we're living, it's part of, you know, this consciousness about living in uncertain and risky times Um, And I think that resilience is a very helpful concept for understanding change and our societal and environmental responses to change within that context.
1: And does resilience deepen or undermine the concept of sustainable development? Uh,
0: I think it can probably do either. I mean, for me, I find resilience a very useful concept in thinking about sustainability. It contributes towards my reflections and understanding of sustainability, because I think that um, it puts change within this kind of broader context of thinking about development, sustainable development, about progress or whatever. So I think it's a really helpful underpinning concept that um, can contribute towards an understanding of sustainability.
1: And you write in one of the papers that you sent that resilience uh, centralizes climate change as the defining feature of local government and governance. But are we also seeing resilience, do you think, being used increasingly as a tool by climate skeptics? And as a after the floods, the term resilience seems to be increasingly being used as a way to uh, reinforce business as usual rather than to question it. And certainly, I
0: mean, certainly that's. Um that's the finding from my own research as well. So I think that, you know, resilience as a concept can be used and applied in, in many different ways. And we've seen, you know, we saw similar things with sustainable development. So, you know, I think that there is this um, aspect of resilience which is used in a very conservative way. It's used... Um, or it's interpreted as a means of staying the same, of resisting change. So I think that there is that aspect of resilience, um, which is about um, actually resisting change. And I think that there's this very interesting kind of tension within ideas around resilience, um, which for me, you know, as an an academic, um, make it sort of all the more interesting um, but I think that it means that as a concept, it is it is very widely adopted and applied in a whole range of different settings and by a whole range of of different of different people. You know, from social movements, you know, the transition movement, um, to you know, state agencies. When, as you say, you're talking about. Um, Responses to flooding and about building resilience. So, um, yes, I think that you know resilience is used in many different contexts and in many different ways by lots of different people.
1: And um, I wanted to ask you. I mentioned uh, before we started about how um, you know this month we're looking at, at impact and measurement and so on. And in in uh, you wrote that uh, there has been a shift away from the notion that the central concepts adaptive capacity resilience and well-being can be objectively measured by a set of quantifiable indicators to a much more nuanced view that understands them as comprising subjective relational as well as objective aspects what do you mean by that and what are your thoughts on how transition initiatives can measure whether their work is or isn't making their community more resilient
0: i think that you know, there's always a tendency to try and reduce these concepts like vulnerability, adaptive capacity, resilience to a set of straightforward, objective, you know, measurable indicators. But actually, I think a lot of the um, literature and a lot of the research shows that um, there's a whole set of um, subjective dimensions to resilience or vulnerability. So about actually how a person feels about their own capacity and um, their own abilities, their own um, efficacy, which are hugely important in determining how they might be able to respond. And I think that that also translates um, to a community scale as well and to a collective scale. So I think that we always should be looking across both the objective and the subjective aspects um, in trying to assess um, how resilient a community, or how resilient a society or a system might be.
1: I suppose some things like transition would be coming at uh, um, uh, resilience from a mitigation perspective, seeing seeing resilience as a tool for mitigation, where all too, whereas all too increasingly it's seen as an, an adaptation tool. How do you see that balance between mitigation and adaptation in terms of in, in terms of climate and resilience?
0: I think that both are extremely important and I think that resilience applies just as well to um, thinking about how we build capacity to adapt as to how we build capacity to mitigate. So, you know, I think that sort of resilience as a concept um, applies applies to both. And I think that if we start looking at resilience as this much more proactive um, capacity to be able to self-organise, to learn and to actually develop in a, um, you know, more sustainable way, then it becomes a really key concept in thinking about mitigation.
1: Um, one of the themes I mentioned before this, this month has been about impact and the impact that the transition has has had over the last seven or eight years. I wonder from your from your perspective, in in as somebody who studies the the field of community resilience, among other aspects of it, what's what's your sense of of the impact that, that transition and the way that it that it interprets uh, and works with the idea of resilience? What's your your sense of the impact that that has had over the last seven or eight years?
0: Well, I can't talk that specifically about the transition movement because you know it's not my area of expertise. But if I You know, from what I know about the transition movement, in terms of some of these kind of core capacities that, you know, you might think of as having been developed, you know, around the capacity to self-organise, around building, you know, social capital in different ways. Um, You know, I mean, your own work, I mean, this idea about, you know, doing stuff together, I think, which builds a whole set of... um, capacities at a a community scale I mean I think that those are are really important I think um, you know how that then feeds into building competencies around community action around um, you know building these sort of um, reflexive and problem-solving skills that might happen as a result of that, you know, doing stuff together. Um, and then, I suppose, a set of capacities which are about, you know, um, co-creating um, collectively a, um, you know, a vision of the future um, and setting then that within a, a kind of a context of, you know, a, a political kind of strategy and um, would be the things that I would have thought would be, you know, really important and the kinds of areas where you could identify impact within um, the transition movement.
1: You've written about how um, mainstream resilience thinking often places the emphasis on individual responsibility for coping, you know, that actually the lack of resilience is somehow, you know, your your inability to cope. And seeing it in the context of, of, of how we contribute to economic success rather than social well-being that shift, for, you talk about uh, the shift from shifting the emphasis from positive adaptation despite adversity to positive adaptation to adversity. Um, what's, what's your sense of, of that in terms of the, the, the kind of social justice aspects and inclusion aspects around resilience?
0: I think that this is an area which is really starting to come to, fore, to the fore in debates about resilience. And I think it's uh, an area which you know, from the um, academic and scientific perspective has really only just started to, to be kind of integrated. And I think there's a lot of debate around things like, you know, how do we understand power dynamics within resilience, for example? And I think when we start looking beyond, yes, these sort of individual capacities and, uh, and thinking about resilience as... Um, you know something which is vested a characteristic of, of an individual to actually this much more dynamic view of collective and community resilience. Then all of these issues to do with yes, whose resilience, whose voice, who defines resilience, who who you know who defines these um, these visions for the future become incredibly important. And then of course we come back to some. Real kind of core social science um, ideas, as you say, around social justice, or around inclusion, participation, and so on. Um, and you know, my own background um, is in international development, and I think you know, there's as um, a really um, important um, research and um, you know track record of findings from international development, which has looked at these issues, which we have to now start integrating into our understanding of, of resilience so i think that um it's an under-researched area but of course it's uh, an area of paramount importance and
1: uh, in 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 one of your papers you 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 asked the question how much adversity should resilient individuals endure before social arrangements rather than individuals are targeted for intervention what are your thoughts on that
0: well i, I guess there's sort of two aspects to that i, I mean the first is you know, an issue that you alluded to in an earlier question, which is this idea that, you know, resilience is used, can be used in this very kind of conservative sense. And in a way it can be used to say, well, actually, individuals are very resilient and, you know, it can be seen as part of the sort of retreat of the state in terms of, you know, responsibility for supporting individuals and communities, um, you know, in, after particular events. Um, so I think that there's that sort of danger. And I think that there's quite a lot of writing in the, um, in the sort of community psychology literature which talks about the dangers that are inherent in, in resilience thinking in that respect. But secondly, uh, I think that there's again this tension between how we understand the role of, you know, structural elements um, in supporting resilience. Uh, either in individuals or in communities, compared to the the individual's characteristics. So so it's that debate around structure and agency, really, which is part of an ongoing discussion, obviously, within the social sciences, where how much can resilience actually be supported and be enhanced through um, external infrastructure, external interventions compared to how much is it built through individuals' capacities. Um, So I think that there's a kind of, again, an important sort of tension and discussion around that. How much is resilience the responsibility of, um, say, governments or other agencies compared to how much does it have to come from within communities and individuals'
1: Thank you. And the the last question I had was, you know, you you mentioned earlier on there about how one of the aspects of resilience is about learning and the ability to to learn and reflect in that way. What's your sense of of of, of you know, as somebody who works in in higher education of of what what our education system designed to uh, to produce people with the best skills for resilience would look like does it look like it looks like today or or what would our education system look like if it produced individuals and professionals who were who were as resilient and grounded in resilience uh, as they could be
0: i think that yeah that's a hugely challenging question and i think that one of the one of the key issues for me as someone who works in the university system, is how we get our students engaged with um, the real world and engaged with the communities within which, you know, they live and the communities within which our universities um, exist. And it's something that um, our institute in Cornwall, the Environment and Sustainability Institute, is you know, trying really hard to do, is to form much more meaningful partnerships um, with you know, a whole range of stakeholders um, in the community in which we exist. And so that our research um, can actually speak more directly to the needs um, of stakeholders. Our students can work alongside and in partnership um, with different stakeholders within the community. And, you know, I think that that's hugely important, and it's important in terms of how our research can actually address real-life issues. Um, it's important in terms of how we understand ourselves not only as educators but as citizens. And I think that it's also incredibly important for um, enhancing the experience um, that our students get out of their studies the important thing for me is to is to think about you know resilience as this multi-dimensional concept which is used by many different people which has you know opportunities um, within it and which I think you know can be used as you know the transition movement is using it in this radical and very dynamic sense um, as opposed to you know the um, the conservative the staying the same the persisting sense in which it's very often applied more popularly
1: brilliant thank you thank you so much
0: okay thank you very much
1: i'll let you know i'll let you know when it's all up and everything
0: thanks rob
1: and um yeah and do pass on my greetings to neil as well
0: i will indeed yeah OK, well, it's really nice to meet you over Skype. And um, thank you for reading my papers. Um, my pleasure. <laughs> um, and as I said, I've really enjoyed your own writing. Um, it's, you. it's been really helpful for me. And a lot of the work, I'm sort of taking my work in a slightly new direction at the moment because um, I've been. And one of the reasons why um, you know I moved from UEA to Exeter was to be able to work more closely with people in arts and humanities, and particularly on sort of um, creative...